doctors didn't have answers. I went through fertility treatments, um, the drugs they prescribe when you're going through fertility treatments were like the side effects from the birth control pills on steroids. I, I didn't feel like I could handle it. So I felt really, really helpless for a long time on that journey. Um, and because as you can see, it touched me so deeply. That is why I'm taking my FDN work back to work with, with women that are on, on that journey. Um, eventually I did have another child, but it wasn't until, you know, 10 years later, I, Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. But for now, here is today's episode. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast. I will be your host. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev. I feel like I only say this every other time. I'm still not in the routine of doing this, but Courtney, one of the things I've been trying to do is I let people know why the heck I'm, I'm hosting this, right? I'm no one special in particular, not a doctor or anything like that, uh, but I do like to talk. That's certainly something that I like to do. Uh, many of my colleagues could support that and family members. At the same time, though, I actually really do love to listen to these stories. And so I have a story myself. I had seven different diagnosed conditions at the age of 18, and I'm thankful to say at the age of 28, I no longer have any of those conditions. And that's been true for the last several years. And that was primarily because of the things that I've learned in FDN. Um, certainly, it's because of the community in general and the knowledge that we have, I guess, cumulatively that led me to this healing side. So it's absolutely amazing. Um, today, we have with us Courtney Say, and this is episode probably 276. I, I forgot again, Tracy. So Tracy is someone that helps us get all this stuff actually out to the public. It couldn't happen without her. And I always forget my episode numbers. So 270 something, absolutely crazy. And our guest today, before I read your bio, Courtney, you've actually been listening for quite some time, you said, right? Yeah, I have. I've been listening for, gosh, at, at least a year now. Um, Very cool. so I've heard a lot of interesting stuff on the podcast. Awesome. Interesting is the word, right? <laughs> we definitely get some <laughs> stuff on here, especially with the stuff that comes out of my mouth. So a quick bio about Courtney, and then we'll get to the topic of today. She is the founder of the Fertility Functional uh, Functionally program. Uh, she works with women to help them reach their dream of getting and staying pregnant. She has been through a painful fertility journey herself and knows the frustration, sadness, and hopelessness that it can bring. This program is designed to help women on this path find answers where they thought there weren't any and reach a healthy pregnancy without the struggle. It is her absolute honor and privilege to walk alongside people on their journey. Uh, that's really cool. I haven't set out a goal yet to have kids or anything like that, but it's very interesting how many people have even if it wasn't the main topic of their podcast, as you probably heard, it's a part of their story, right? Like all of a sudden they ended up getting pregnant. You didn't even realize they had infertility issues until like 30 minutes into the show. And then the things that they were trying to address uh, led to the successful pregnancy. And I can't wait to dive into this because I, I can use common sense and imagine if someone is trying to do this, uh, this is a really important part of your life. It's not something that you can just do at any age, regardless of how healthy you are, um, for, for a variety of reasons, just even practically speaking. And so if we can help people through their uh, health journey, 
get them this like gift, this essential part of life guide to right? It's how we're all here. I think it's one of the coolest things that we talk about on here. So first, you already know how we'll start this today. I'd love to get to dive into your journey. What did your health symptoms look like and when did they begin? Yeah. So I'm going to take it all the way back uh, just in case anyone connects with, you know, the full story and I'll sure. try to not be long-winded. Uh, but my symptoms began when I was a kid. Um, I didn't connect all the dots until much later, uh, but I had pretty, a pretty significant traumatic event when I was five, when I was in kindergarten. Um, my brother almost died in an accident and it shook the whole family very deeply, but I was an 80s baby. and <laughs> We weren't in the same place back then with mental health and therapy. Um, so once his physical wounds healed, our family just you know, went on about our lives and didn't do any work on the trauma it caused. Um, no one was talking yet about how unresolved trauma impacts mental and physical health down the road. Um, so a couple years later, these are my earliest memories of issues. And about second grade, I remember com starting to complain about headaches and stomach aches fairly regularly. That went on for some time. I remember getting an MRI as a kid. Um, nothing, nothing came up um, significant, no diagnosis. So when I was in my teens, um, my period started later than my peers and I had irregular and painful periods and acne that I couldn't get under control on top of the original headaches and, and stomach issues. Um, my doctor prescribed hormonal birth control to help control these issues. Um, that makes me <laughs> kind of mad to think about that this is still happening a lot where when teens and women in their 20s, even up through their 40s are going in with some of these complaints, the answer is here, you know, take, go on the pill and that'll help. Um, so I started it in my teens and took it through my early twenties. And so the pill does do a good job for some people of masking symptoms. So it did make the acne better. It gives you a quote unquote regular cycle, um, by kind of, you know, giving you a, a fake cycle, if you will, but that's probably a topic for a whole nother podcast. Um, my stomach, my GI issues got worse while I was on the pill. Um, I had digestive discomfort, constipation, you name it. And I attributed it to food sensitivities. I always thought, well, maybe I should start cutting stuff out of my diet. Um, because I like to think of myself, even back then in you know, college days, as being very health conscious and watching what I was eating and trying to get enough vegetables and exercising. Um, so I started restricting my diet, going anywhere from no red meat, chicken only, pescatarian, all the way to vegan for a few years. I thought those would be the solution. They weren't. And um, that that never fixed my issues, but I kept pulling things out of my diet and saying I had a sensitive stomach and I had to be really careful. Um, there was a history of GI issues in my family. There's ulcerative colitis, Crohn's and, and the like. And I just thought I was, you know, not, not there, diagnosable, but sensitive. So I also continued to struggle a lot with, with anxiety, but I was the type, I don't know if you can relate to this from your younger years who hit it really well. Um, no one would have called me anxious. They would have called me a, an achiever. <laughs> I, um, got great grades, graduated from college, started my career, got married, went to grad school. Like every time I felt anxious, I channeled it into achieving. Um, I never slowed, slowed things down, but all through all of this, I was, I was struggling silently. Um, never felt comfortable after eating anything um, and had a lot of headaches. So I was popping a lot of um, Advil to get through a pretty rigorous schedule. Um, always, I was always up on the latest diet trend, like I said, um, and I really, 
had a lot of pride about, you know, I'm, I'm eating vegan now. It's really great. Have you seen these impossible burgers? Like I look back and want to shake the old me who was um, eating like that with what I know now, but I thought I was taking really good care of myself. And on the outside beyond breakouts, like I had acne, not horrible acne, but it was cystic and it was hormonal, um, like around the, the jawline, like kind of typical hormonal acne, but I covered it well and tried to hide it. So beyond that, I, on the outside, I looked like the picture of health, um, but I was really suffering silently for, for quite a while. And so now we're in mid twenties. Um, eventually I mentally felt like I was kind of going crazy with the anxiety. And um, I had this instinct that it was the birth control pills. I knew it was time to ditch those. And I didn't know what I know now about them. Um, that you know, tell, there's lots of evidence that tells us that, that that is true, that they can cause depression, anxiety, and other mental health symptoms. But back then, it was just a gut instinct, like I got to ditch, ditch the birth control pills. Um, so I went off of them. And like I said, I could go on and on and on about the side effects of, of birth control pills that can last for decades if they're not addressed after you go off of those. Um, I went off of them, married my husband, I ended up pregnant with my first child about 18 months later um, and had a normal pregnancy. I was in my 20s when he was born. I thought I was a fertile gal. Everything was going to be um, road to a family. It was going to be an easy path. Um, meanwhile, my anxiety and gut issues actually continued to worsen uh, to the point where I was really avoiding a ton of food. Um, we wanted another baby. So this is where the fertility journey gets messy. We, um, we want another baby. I got pregnant again easily when he was about one and that pregnancy ended in a really heartbreaking second trimester miscarriage, um, at about 17 weeks. And for years after that, I struggled with unexplained secondary infertility and still makes me emotional years later. Um, those were really some of the lowest times of my life. Uh -huh. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't expect that. You're good, you're good. Um, <laughs> doctors didn't have answers. I went through fertility treatments. Um, the drugs they prescribe when you're going through fertility treatments were like the side effects from the birth control pills on steroids. I, I didn't feel like I could handle it. So I felt really, really helpless for a long time on that journey. Um, and because, as you can see, it touched me so deeply. That is why I'm taking my FDN work back to work with, with women that are on, on that journey. Um, eventually, I did have another child. But it wasn't until, you know, 10 years later. I um, So let's fast forward 10 years later. I've got a successful career in finance, a great family. But on the inside, I keep feeling worse and worse and worse. Um, I decided that the answer at that point was to go through some mindset management. Like, I feel like I've got my physical health. Okay. Maybe it's my, in my head still. Um, I went through an intensive life coaching certification in 2020 that taught me a lot about how to manage my mind and started to get my anxiety more in check, but it, it wasn't the full answer. Um, I felt as, so this is COVID days, right. And the stress of COVID um, really took, took a toll and I felt my physical health just going downhill to the point where I kind of had a, I want to call it a nervous breakdown, but kind of a nervous breakdown where I thought I really have to go. I thought I was dying. I had so much abdominal pain, discomfort. Um, I had rashes on my legs. If I had a picture, I would show you, but they, um, 
no doctor could diagnose them. The dermatologist thought they were bug bites a couple times. Another doctor thought they were a bacterial infection. Uh, I'm convinced now as I've cleaned up my gut that it was related to gut issues that I had. Uh, but anyway, went through a bunch of workups, full GI workup, general doctor, therapist, all the things after this, you know, nervous breakdown. And the answers were like, let's put you on an antidepressant, go to therapy. Um, you want to try spiral lactate, which is a, a Heard of that. pretty strong drug. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That blocks testosterone for acne, um, at the dermatologist. And I, I just decided at that point, finally I'd had enough. <laughs> I'd really had enough. And I started digging around for something else. Um, and that's when I found FDN, like I stumbled upon it and I tried to remember, I don't remember exactly what was the first, like how I first stumbled upon FDN, but somehow I got here. Um, and yeah, that was more long-winded than I intended to, it to be, but that's the kind of the full history of, of symptoms up no. to, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah, no, I really appreciate when people, it's to me, we've had answers on the show for the first question that went 30 freaking minutes. I don't really care. I'm looking for the story. And to me, that gives us so much to work with. It's such a clear timeline. So I appreciate you sharing all that. I don't know if you're just humoring me with this too, because you said you listen often, but I love what you mentioned about the birth control kind of giving you that, well, an instinct telling you, Hey, maybe this birth control isn't for me. How strange is that? And it's not that I, I'm ever saying this is medical advice or just go off of this stuff that's not for me to say, but it is fascinating to me how many people have these gut instincts or intuitions. They literally will say, oh, I just knew. You've heard it. I just knew that this was something I was supposed to do or not do. It's really interesting that that was kind of a, uh, to some degree, a pretty pivotal moment in all of this. Just I know yeah. this isn't the right thing for me. It's even stranger when you talk about birth control, because we have sh uh, mentioned it on the show before, but my perspective on it shifted even further since the last time it probably got brought up. And I'm no psychologist, but I, I was listening to some psychologist lecture, and he, he brought up this really interesting point about not only did birth control change us health-wise, because clearly there are side effects to this. And I mean, common sense would tell you if you shut off one of the most, uh, most natural processes that a woman could ever go through, maybe there's some side effects that come with yeah. that, right? It's not just uh, you do this and there's absolutely zero consequence, yeah. but it also changed us socially because I know that it's for health reasons, obviously for you, but when you think about what that did to teenage girls or young adult women and then what it also does for men, it kind of made this a free-for-all in yeah. terms of how we pair up with each other, right? And it's it's very interesting seeing my generation and then comparing it to my parents' generation or gosh forbid, my grandparents' generation and how they treated uh, sex and relationships. And again, not the point of the podcast, but I'd never thought about that perspective. I, I kind of wondered where did this hookup culture come from? Yeah. And it's like, well, duh, if you give every woman an ability to take away the consequences, the men are yeah. like, hell yeah, right? Yeah. And the women don't have the same consequences. It's like, oh, wow, that's a main yeah. reason that we're in this mess. It's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. So go, go figure when you give humans no consequences for some, no <laughs> obvious consequences for something that they really want to do, uh, they go do it. I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah. But yeah. I, I'm sure we could do another whole podcast on that topic <laughs> at some point yeah. because it's a big part of, of fertility, the fertility journey for so many. And yeah. I, and I, I really think there are a lot of things that were empowering for women with birth control, like the ability to get through school and not have to sure. worry about it and decide how many kids they have. And I don't discount any of that, but I'm, I'm with you on all of this. Like 
that's not that that culture is not necessarily empowering for anyone. Um, and the health benefits or the health benefit, the health um, the health side effects, no one talks about. Doctors right. don't tell you how it depletes your nutrients and can cause mental health and gut issues and increase your risk for cancer. So anyway, um, yeah. I feel very passionate about making sure that people understand what they're actually putting in their body when they're using it and then how to reverse some of the damage that was done if they did use yeah. it for well, some and, time. And yeah, just to be clear, because again, this is a health podcast, so I, I should probably dot my I's and cross my T's. I'm not necessarily giving an uh, opinion on the hookup culture either way. It's not for me. For many people, they think that's the best thing ever. Guy and girl, right? Like they're like, I'm happy I can do this. And they're entitled to do that if they're consenting adults. Um, I just find it interesting. I never thought about that that's one of the main reasons that this happened is because if you take away yeah. consequences from people, this occurs. But the health side is really um, what does matter because there are consequences. Like I said, it's not obvious consequences, but you do see them later. Uh, namely, you're masking symptoms a lot of the times. And for someone in like me, like in my late 20s, a lot of the clients I attract naturally are within a similar age range, but it's been all over the board. But the biggest influx I had ever seen in people calling me was, and I don't, by the way, just so people know, I don't really take clients now. It's all through a separate thing. But when I've seen people do this for me, it was all of these girls that I knew coming out of college. And it was like the final straw on their health, right? Because now socially, you're supposed to drink, you're supposed to stay up late, you're supposed to eat crappy food. And it's like, we were already a mess beforehand. And now we go do this. It's like, well, my gosh, final yeah. straw. Um, But then the thing that never gets talked about is they come off the birth control voluntarily. They're trying to start a family. Right. And for a lot of them, it doesn't work or the yep. period never comes back and they're in their mid twenties and it's been a year without a cycle. It's like, holy cow, this is not, yep. um, this is not discussed at all. So when you like, what, at what point, I guess, was it FDN or something else? Did you connect that all of these things that you had dealt with as a kid uh, kind of were connected because it's very interesting to hear you say this on this podcast now, like obviously you're an astute functional medicine practitioner because you're talking about the trauma that you experienced in childhood, all these symptoms leading up. When did you realize that all of these things were connected and not separate in any way? I think like everything else in life, um, when you're learning, you're peeling back an onion, if you will. I know that term gets overused a lot, but like every layer of growth is peeling back a little bit more. Um, so through therapy a few years ago, and then my coach training, my, um, not functional health, but mindset coach training, I realized how impactful that trauma was. And I don't want to go too deep on it unless you want to ask some questions, but my brother found a, a gun at a family friend's house and shot himself when I was in the room. So like, you're talking about trauma that is not, <laughs> yeah. not removed. Like I, it was impactful and there was there was no therapy. And my mom and I've talked about it since. And she's like, this is the 80s. We just didn't know. Um, so I realized like, wow, that was a defining moment for a lot of my people pleasing tactics, which it, also anxiety, but I didn't connect the functional, I didn't connect the physical health piece, really until I started digging in on functional health. <laughs> like, yeah. I thought, and it sounds almost, it sounds ignorant to me knowing what I know now, right? But you put yourself in a few years ago, like, I thought this stuff was over here. And my physical health stuff was different. And I thought it was, you know, genetics of some sort, like something that was out of my control, because I was doing everything I possibly could. Um, and the mental health stuff I would deal with. So it wasn't until I dug in on the functional health stuff. And 
really, I think when I saw the functional labs, like that was like, oh, okay. All right. There's, there's answers here. Like everybody else for years and years had told me everything looks great. You're good. You know, when we were struggling with infertility, like we went through tons of workups. We went through fertility cycles with a fertility doctor. There was never anything wrong. Um, but that, that's another point too, that I have, you know, women who come to me, they've been through a fertility workup and they've rece received a diagnosis of unexplained infertility, or they say they don't know what's going on. But what is frustrating there is that unexplained infertility, to get that diagnosis, the physicians are only looking at your reproductive tract. They run a few tests to, to look at your reproductive tract. And there's so much more, as you know, um, connected to our fertility than just what's going on in your reproductive tract. Um, so anyway, tangent that I didn't mean to go down, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's when I kind of connected it all was when I saw the functional labs, because it was like, oh my gosh, there's answers here. And it was, it was a lot of emotions for me, honestly, because it had been so many years. Like I love it when someone who's in their twenties comes to me and is like, I need help because I think, gosh, you're not going to go through the years and years of suffering that I did. If you're learning this stuff now, like I wish they would teach this stuff to, I have my, my son's in high school now. I wish they would teach this stuff to these kids and they just knew it. Like that's my dream is that everybody knows this information, but I went through all of these years of suffering and I get these functional labs back and it's like, Oh, there's answers. I'm not insane. And Oh my God, why isn't this more of a thing? Like, why did I have to wait so long to find these answers? So yeah. And, yeah. and right. And like, thank God you found them in time. Right. I mean, I kind of always wonder, and I don't mean it in a pessimistic way, but it's one of the reasons that I think people like us are so passionate and inspired to share this stuff because for every amazing story that comes on here and they are amazing, there's plenty of people that didn't work out so well. They didn't get yeah. this information. And um, again, especially when we're talking about something like fertility, that that's a time limit, no matter what you can be as healthy as you want. There's still an obvious time limit on this for a variety of reasons. So I'd love to dive more into this because you already talked about, obviously we know as functional people, it's not just the reproductive track. And I don't know if that's the actual term, but if they really call it unexplained infertility, I kind of like that a little better than just saying, oh, nothing's wrong with you, although yeah. I'm sure that gets thrown out all the time. Because to me, to imply to a young man or a young woman that nothing is wrong with them if they can't get pregnant, um, to me is actually kind of insulting. And I don't mean this in a, a judgmental way, right? Like, it's not like you're broken, but this is one of the core things from a purely biological perspective that we are here to do on this earth. So it would yeah. be pretty easy to make an argument for this, that if I can't do that as a man, or if I can't do that as a woman, there's probably something that went wrong. Um, and just because you can't explain it doesn't mean that there is nothing wrong. So I kind of like that phrase unexplained um, infertility a little bit better. But yeah, it pretty much stops there, right? I know people that are, well, I don't know them personally, but I know of people that are spending tons of money on this yeah. stuff. And it's really not that effective when if you just yeah. get healthy, it can kind of happen. So what are some of the main things um, that you're seeing and that you've learned that are leading to this epidemic of infertility? Because yes, birth control is one aspect, but there's yeah. a ton of stuff that's leading to this. So I'd love to dive into that. Yeah, gosh, good question. Um, so birth control is definitely one thing. Um, diet, you know, we've got, I talked a lot about my diet early on and how I spent a lot of years not eating animal protein. Um, I, 
I won't turn away clients with a specific diet, but gosh, do I have a hard time helping someone if they're not willing to incorporate um, some clean animal protein into their diet. So diet's a big one. And I think we're so confused by what is out there in the mainstream media. Like I thought of myself as, you know, healthy and know, knowing everything about diet. And I incorporated what I did do right was incorporate a lot of fruits and veggies. What I did wrong was I didn't have any good animal protein in my diet. So once I ran some of the later tests after graduation, like the Dutch and the HTMA and saw some of the hormone and mineral or the uh, nutrient and mineral imbalances, they were still way out of whack. Um, could still be from the birth control pills, but also from diet. I think it's really hard to get all of the proper nutrition if we're not incorporating good animal protein. Um, real rest. Like I think a lot of us now think of, of rest as scrolling through your phone, right? Like, oh, I got some free time and sure. no shame. Like we all do it. Right? It's nice to unwind sometimes, but like true rest where you're doing something that is re revitalizing your body, like meditation or prayer and spending time going, going inside. Um, most people don't do any of that anymore. Mm -hmm. So um, those are the big ones. The other one I see a lot with women who are really driven like myself and are push, push, pushing is they're doing exercise wrong. Um, they're pushing their bodies too hard with exercise. They're like, yeah, I'm all over it. Like I go to Orange Theory and I've got the Peloton and I hop on there and I do spin class and I go for runs too. And I'm like, hold on, mm -hmm. hold on time out. Um, because moving your body is, you know, is super important, but we have to be mindful about how we're doing it, especially if your body's up at the top of the stress limit, like adding super high impact workouts five days a week is really, really not it. So, right. um, those are, those are the big ones, like stress, managing your stress. Right. And to me that the most simple place to start with people, they're like, I can't get rid of my stress. No, none of us can get rid of our stress, but we can manage it. It's as simple as like grabbing what's in the other room, your journal. And I do it twice a day, just for five minutes sometimes. Sometimes it's 20 minutes. Um, and I'm Christian. So I pray too. And those two things together do so much to reduce my stress. Um, it could be meditation. It doesn't have to be a religious um, practice. So stress management, diet, sleep, exercise, um, a lot of the things we talk about in, in FDN, yep. really. And then the supplementation is great, but I will get clients who are like, I just like, what can I take? What can I take? I'm so busy. And it's like, you we've, we've got to work on all of these things together to truly see um, the results you want to see. Supplements, we're going to need if you've got deficiencies and gut infections and those types of things to work on, of course. Um, but we've got to work on it as a as a whole picture. Uh, of course. And then so I always like to think to as, as nerdy as we like to get on here, I also like to think from the perspective of someone, especially with this topic, we really might have the privilege of being the first thing that came up for them when they typed in you know, holistic infertility or so yeah. whatever, right? Functional medicine, infertility. Gosh forbid, we're one of the first things that come up and they see it and they click on it and they're like, okay, so uh, that makes sense, right? Be healthier and, and this will lead to this. What, and we don't have to dive into like PhD level biochemistry, but from your understanding then with, with not doing the things that you mentioned, what yeah. is happening in the body that's saying, okay, now we can't get pregnant yeah. or maybe we can't carry to term, whatever it is, like what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, that's where I was going to go go next. So I'm glad you asked that. Um, I'll tell you a little bit of my story and what I've worked on too. But a lot of the big things that we see are 
um, going on in the gut. So a lot of your hormones are synthesized in your gut. And you might say like, I'm trying to get pregnant. I don't, I don't have a gut issue. Like I go to the bathroom every day. I'm good. Um, and then we'll run a GI map and it'll come back and you have hardly any good bacteria. You've got inflammation markers, you've got gluten sensitivity, you've got all kinds of things for us to work on. And as we start to clean those things up, we'll see other, um, other issues start to clean up like, like hormones. So with women in our program, we always run the Dutch test, mm -hmm. um, which for those listening, it's not one we learn in our foundational training, but it was an advanced training I took um, for stress and hormone for a stress and hormone test. And we run that one to see where women are with their, their hormones. And I'll say like, you can't, hormones give us a good picture of what's going on, but it's always something underlying that's causing those hormonal imbalances, right? So um, we'll see some of those hormonal imbalances start to clean up as we work on what's going on in your gut. That, and I would, if I just had to pick two that I would say are, could fix 85 to 90% of the problems. It's gut and um, and minerals. So we are also working on mineral balance too, um, and making sure that that's in check. I use the HTMA test with all of my clients, um, and then we start on mineral balancing right away. And then we go work on the gut, and then we see a lot of improvement um, on the hormone side. One thing I do tend to see out of whack with clients. Well, I'm going to back up a little bit and tell you a little bit more about my story before I dive in there. Um, but when I got my labs back, kind of what we're talking about here, I had, <laughs> I had a, it's almost laughable to me now, like the level of helpful bacteria in my gut looked like it was non-existent, even though I'd been eating <laughs> what I thought was a ton of vegetables every day. Um, I had poor protein digestion. I had high anti-gliadin, which is a gluten sensitivity marker. It was it was through the roof. It was, I think, four or five times the the um, high end of the range. High oxidative stress, cortisol levels were in the exhaustive phase. Um, and DHEA, I saw this on my first test before the Dutch too. Uh, DHEA was really high and testosterone was really high, which, what? I don't, what? I don't I didn't understand it yet. Um, but like I said, I was excited there were answers and also sad that it had taken so long. Um, but this, like, as I continued to dig and learn more and dug in on some advanced trainings and read more books, um, I got more and more sad about my fertility journey because I realized that, um, that I'd been living with un undiagnosed PCOS for probably all of my life. So, and I don't think doctors ever even thought in that direction because I've always been a normal body weight. So I think they're trained in med school, a lot of them, hopefully more getting educated on it, that PCOS is a disease of obesity, which is not always the case. It's, they're, they're saying now it's only, it's 30 to 70% of the cases. So no one ever looked at that for me. And it wasn't until I dug in on the Dutch and saw all of the androgen levels there and how out of whack they were, mm -hmm. that I went back down the list, like late period, infertility, acne, all of the things. And like, long story short for myself, personally, I went straight to work um, on like focused, focused in really heavily on blood sugar management. So I had things in my gut to clean up for sure and mineral balancing to do. I also had blood sugar management. I guess that was the third pillar that I missed earlier when I was talking about women who um, like what's causing biochemically the, the infertility. Um, 
blood sugar imbalance, insulin resistance is a, an issue in the vast majority of PCOS cases. So if we can get that in check and we can clean up your gut and balance your minerals, gosh, does it, it start to, the disease process start to reverse. So anyway, that was a roundabout way of getting back to, um, I guess the three things that I would say that are showing up for people are gut issues, mineral imbalances, um, and insulin resistance. And a lot of people, when they go to their, even if they come diagnosed with PCOS, they'll say, you know, my, my doctor ran the labs and I was within range and they'll show me the labs and they're like right at the edge of the top range for you to see. And it's like, mm, not really, like that's not in a functional range. So um, the deeper I go down this path of working with women and continuing to work on myself, the more I believe that um, blood sugar management can solve solve quite a few problems. Sure. One thing that you um, mentioned in the beginning of that answer that I thought was interesting was, because I appreciate you saying this because not enough people recognize this. We can get so technical with the hormone side, especially, and there's always a debate um, between which types of labs to do and all this kind of stuff. But what you said is the hormone stuff, yeah, it could be, it usually is bad, but it's always like something more underlying. And perhaps I'm just not doing enough. I, I could make that argument, but I had gotten to a point when I was like actively taking clients all the time. I mean, even when I see the labs in my own business where there's other people, 95% of the time, if I'm being 100% honest, the biggest thing that we got from the hormone test is validating to the person with clinical correlation why they feel as crappy as they do. Yes, you can supplement some of the stuff. Yes, you can help those things, but we yeah. still got to go do the other things. Otherwise, those hormone results yeah. are never going to uh, get better. It's not usually almost never, um, a root causal type of thing. It's like, okay, well, yeah, this is the result of all this other crap that you have going yeah. on and the uh, lack of taking care of yourself for years, usually unintentionally. They're trying to do yeah. the right thing, but they don't, just like, I mean, you, you were trying to eat super well and it was actually the <laughs> wrong thing for you, right? Um, but it's interesting too that you mentioned the PCOS thing. Of course, I can't diagnose, but there was a time in the beginning of the pandemic that I was taking uh, a lot more clients again because I wasn't doing speaking and schools were closed, all this stuff. And so I had these two women in particular, I I don't think they'd care, but I've never gotten direct permission to share their story. So I'll, I'll keep it somewhat vague, but very young. I mean, like we were probably both or all 25, 26 at the time and they were friends. So they both ran it mostly for preventative purposes, not necessarily yeah. because they even thought something was wrong. And it was crazy how high those androgenic hormones that you talked about came up. And worse yet, I think this is kind of a bittersweet thing for people they are uh, fitness oriented people. They do a lot of stuff on Instagram, right? And they create plans for people and stuff. These people are like 10 out of 10s. They look about as good as you could yeah. in your mid twenties for women. And so people are like idolizing them, wanting to be like them. But when you look at the labs, it's like, oh, this isn't really a good track for, for yeah. your future here. And so thank, uh, thank God we found that stuff when we did because both of them were very clear um, plans to like have kids one day. Yeah. And that's why they were doing a lot of this stuff is to be smart. I'm like, well, Thank goodness we did. I referred them both out. Uh, they never got a formal diagnosis of PCOS. Same kind of thing, right? Well, it needs to be a little higher here for us to give you that diagnosis. But uh, certainly the symptoms were highly correlated with this because, yeah. of course, typically speaking, the girls aren't going to tell me this the first time. But when I start asking about like the acne and the hair growth, they're like, yeah. well, yeah, I kind of have that. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Yeah. So we need uh, to address all these things. I also like how you kind of have your formula now uh, with the hormones, GI map and the mineral side. 
for someone that might be, you know, coming off our website and then clicking on here and they're wondering, okay, that's not the exact formula of FDN. I think also something that we're very open to is, first of all, FDN is not dogmatic. You can do it any way you want, uh, Mm -hmm. technically speaking. When you start working with particular niches, you do notice certain patterns. um, And it's impossible for me to argue that certain niches don't actually do better um, with certain testing. I think pretty much anyone can benefit from the things that you said, to be clear. But it's very weird. Like sometimes I I just I love running a particular test with a particular group because I know every time it's like one of the most useful things that we run. So um, with all that said, you obviously figured a lot of your own stuff out when you were doing the labs with FDN, because we do include labs in the cost of tuition. um, Do you remember off the top of your head some of the big findings on there? Because you were already on a health journey for quite a while. So I'm curious what might have showed up. Yeah. Um, so the the foundational labs that I ran during um, training, yeah, they came back and there was lots of answers. And that was not long after I had finished a full workup, like tons of blood work with what I thought was tons of blood work with my general and a full GI workup, invasive, all the things, an abdominal ultrasound. Like yeah. I thought there's nothing wrong. Um, but on that first test, the first GI map, um, it was really, really low commensal bacteria, which is the good bacteria in your gut, which you need to balance the bad. Um, the gluten sensitivity, I think, was um, really eye-opening for me because I'd eaten so much. I, I had a, it's called the anti-gliadin marker on the GI map. Um, and it was really, really high. And I, I had never in my health journey thought about that. I actually joked about it a lot. Like, oh, gluten, <laughs> gluten-free, like, ha, ha, ha. And then I got, it was like, God was laughing at me for, for joking about it. Um, and I've since learned so much about how the um, the immune system can attack itself if, it, if the gluten's not agreeing with you. So I cut that out 100%. Um, that I think made a huge difference for me. Um, I had poor protein digestion, high oxidative stress. And then um, we get a lot of information in the foundational lab that we run with um, FDN that the stress and hormone profile um, that you get on the Dutch, the Dutch just goes a little deeper. And I like that with fertility clients for a few reasons, basically some of it's to show correlation. And then with PC people with PCOS, whether they've been diagnosed or not, like you said, we're not here to diagnose. We're here to help right. heal, help them help themselves heal the underlying symptoms. Um, but if you can see those androgen levels, that is a motivating factor to work on blood sugar and insulin resistance when you start to show them the science behind um, how all that works. So um, those were out of whack for me. Also, my DHEA, I couldn't figure it out because everybody, all the research and the mentor I was working with at FDN was like, DHEA tends to go down as you age and mine was really high still. But now after I ran the Dutch and saw how things were on the metabolites, the DHEA, DHEAS and the other metabolites from testosterone, it, it made a little more sense. Um, so yeah, there were there were a lot of answers there. And I went straight to work on before I ran the Dutch, I went straight to work um, really on the gut issues that I had, mm-hmm. cutting out the gluten um, and supporting my liver, like supporting my detoxification processes. And that made a huge difference. And then when I ran the Dutch and found out more about the androgens, that's when I started focusing heavily on on blood blood sugar balance. Um, so yeah, nice. I love your you have such a cool way of I don't know if you're doing it intentionally, but mixing in okay 
what to an average person might be considered more complicated stuff, but then you're really focused on the foundation still. And I probably need to do a better job of just overemphasizing this on the podcast because you can't outdo the basic stuff, basic quote unquote, yeah. right? Like there are plenty of people that will spend tons of money on labs, tons of money on supplements. And it's like your blood sugar is still a wreck, right? You're waking yeah. up every day and your fasting blood glucose is freaking a hundred. It's yeah. like that. If we don't do this, if we can't address that, you could spend all this money and it, it's really no point. I was just talking to someone, like, I guess that was just yesterday at this point. I thought it was two days ago, but I was talking to someone yesterday, younger person, right? Early twenties. And we're talking about labs. We're talking about all this stuff and money, you know, a little tighter, especially in your early twenties. And I was saying to them, there's zero point in us running any of this stuff. She's staying up till 4am on the weekends, yeah. you know, hanging with friends and, and God bless her, man. Like I want you to have fun. I don't want to take away your social, uh, social yeah. life, but I kind of explained this, um, this thing that I've used over the years to explain this to people of like the seesaw and it's like the seesaw of pain. So it's, it's not as dark as it sounds, but what I mean is <laughs> It has to be kind of weighed out. And what happens is sometimes the changes that we have to make in natural medicine, I'm certainly not discouraging anyone from this. I'd love if everyone did these things preventatively, but that's not realistic. Sometimes the pain of the social changes or consequences that come from the stuff that we're doing actually sometimes worse than the damn symptom, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like maybe your anxiety is at a four out of 10 most days. And you're like, Ev, I really want to do this naturally. I'm like, okay, but look at what you're going to have to give up to do something in my world. Like, we're going to have to be disciplined with the sleep. We're going to have to be disciplined with the diet. Does that even outweigh what you're dealing with right now? And again, it'd be amazing if us human beings were all smart enough and forward thinking enough to say, no, before I even have symptoms, I'm going to give up all this stuff. Yeah. That's not how it goes. And guess what? I'd be a damn hypocrite. It took me seven different conditions before I finally <laughs> said, all right, you know what? I'm willing to give some stuff up yeah. to go feel better. So I could never tell someone um, with not even a diagnosed condition, it was just someone who had some symptoms uh, yeah. that they need to go change everything. It's just, we're all going to die one day, right? The functional yeah. medicine people might live a little longer if we're, <laughs> if we're lucky, but, but that's about it. So you got to find that balance. And I think with this, this is one of the most motivating things uh, that someone could possibly experience this idea that, Hey, I, I really want to have a family and I want to go do this stuff. Um, yeah. And I might not be able to, if I don't take it seriously, we've, we've mentioned mostly because, I mean, you're a woman, obviously. We've mentioned a lot of the woman's side. Do you see or um, are you planning to help in any way maybe the men if they are the ones that are actually, I don't want to make it seem like a blame thing, but like contributing more to the infertility? Because yeah. I've heard plenty of cases where it's actually the male sperm, not the woman's that uh, body that's leading to yep. the infertility. That is true. I will say, and I see this um, not only in my practice, but in my life, uh, in relationships, the women tend to take initial ownership for fertility, mm -hmm. right? So, um, in an ideal world, here's how my practice <laughs> would look. The couple would come to me together. They want to start trying for a baby in a year, like the weddings in six months and they want to be pregnant in a year. I'm making updates, right? And they both want to work through the program and see what's going on and and start to heal themselves. So they're in the best possible position to conceive and carry a healthy pregnancy to term and have a healthy baby. That's ideal. What tends to happen is that um, I do get clients who are like, I'm thinking about it, especially if they've had endometriosis, PCOS, something where they know it might be a little harder. They'll start thinking a little ahead of time, or if they're over the age of 35 or 40, they're going to start planning like, oh, this might, I might not um, have an easy time with this. 
But a lot of people will try for a year. They'll try fertility treatments. They'll go through a few rounds of IVF before they go, maybe there's another way here. And usually it's the woman first. Um, but yeah, ideally I have worked with men, uh, but typically it's, it's the woman coming first and saying like, I need to, I need to figure this out, but you're right. Um, sometimes when fertility is not working out, sometimes when you're not conceiving, it's, it's the male sperm that that's got issues and men have just as much to work on. in most of the tests I've run with clients as the women do, um, it's really just like an initiative and, um, motivation issue up front. Usually it's the woman that's, that's driving it. Yeah. Well, and thankfully, I mean, it's a heck of a way to be brought together, but it, it is motivating for both parties. I just, you know, I think it's actually quite unfair. I don't think it is recognized enough that it's not just a woman's body that no. uh, can be infertile. I mean, one of the things, right. We know that my generation's, um, testosterone is 50% lower than our grandfather's yep. not good. And one of the things that could be contributing to that of the many things uh, is a lack of zinc. And you need zinc for pregnancy. Okay. If anyone wants a really cool thing to nerd out on, look up the zinc spark on Google. It's this fascinating uh, thing that happens when the sperm meets the egg, but you do need a ton of zinc for this to happen. So I mean, really basic, probably way oversimplified, but at the very least, go do some basic testing to see yeah. um, if your husband or significant other has enough zinc. Like we got to make sure uh, we yeah. have the right tools in place for uh, people to be able to do this. Now, I have a totally hypothetical, not medical advice question for you. Definitely don't try this at home, literally. But <laughs> with what you know now about fertility, one of the things that I find fascinating is pretty much anyone in the functional health space, you start to realize that the standards we've set in Western society and Western medicine almost certainly have to be wrong because the sample size that or the sample population that we're working with is so damn sick. So, yeah. for example, when you say, generally speaking, the age of around 40 is kind of like that uh, number where you're like, all right, yeah. maybe don't go try to get pregnant. But if that's what Western medicine says, and we know people all the time have successful pregnancies in their 30s, 100%. this is just a belief question. What do you have a belief or an opinion around what humans were actually supposed to be able to do? Like, were there women that were supposed to have pregnancies totally healthy yep. in their 40s? Like, what, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, if you look back at history and and dig deep, and even dig into your dig into your own family history, you'll find that there were a lot of successful pregnancies well into women's forties, going back for generations. And if you look at all of the factors of you know lifestyle and health and all of that back then, it's like, well, wait, how come we're telling women now that they can't? Um, so I believe you know it, your eggs age all of the things, like at some point you hit menopause. Um, but can a lot of women have successful pregnancies in their 40s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and to your point, that's a whole nother conversation, right? On like lab ranges and ranges of normal that Western medicine sets. But if you're under the age of 35, you talk to your doctor and say you're you know ready to get pregnant. They say, try for a year and then let us know. And if you don't get pregnant, we'll send you to a fertility doctor who will run a bunch of tests Again, just isolated to your reproductive system and then either diagnose you and your husband or your husband with something or say it's unexplained and like we'll go try IUI and IVF, which is incredibly frustrating and a big waste of time if you're excited about starting a family, right? Because like you don't know. It's it's back to that whole trial and error thing of like, let's see what happens for a year and not work on anything else. Um, 
gosh, is it cool when you spend six months of that year working on making yourself as healthy as possible and then get pregnant. And then if you can't get pregnant on your own after all of that, you're in the best possible position to go to fertility interventions. Like you are more likely to succeed over there if you put your body in the best possible uh, position. So I have a lot of qualms about how we do it on the traditional side. Sure. Well, and, you know, kind of on a final note with that, it's, it's like the one good thing, the one good thing about these infertility issues is it's so damn expensive, even from the Western medicine side, that yeah. this is probably one of the only cases, maybe other than certain cancers, it's cheaper to just come to us anyway. Right? Yeah. Like you'll actually save money, <laughs> finally, going to the functional medicine people, and you'll get healthier, your kid will be better off. Everyone, everyone wins with this one. So yeah, yeah. And gosh, like I said, in an ideal world, people would come to me and their partner if they're willing once and learn these things and make the changes. And then if they want to have two, five, six, whatever number of kids, um, they've already been through it. And you're spending a fraction money wise of what you would have spent on an IVF cycle. (laughs) So it, in my mind, it's such a no brainer. And gosh, do I wish that I would have had, I'm trying to create for these women what I wish I would have had for myself back then when I was so lonely and, and lost. So, yeah. Well, if they're listening and saying, okay, cool, I'm I'm ready to take this leap. And again, it's one of those cases where financially speaking, it is still the better option. Where can they find you if they'd like to learn more about your work and where they could possibly uh, work with you if they wanted to? Yeah, for sure. So my website is www.thrivefunctionally.com thrivefunctionally.com. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and newer to TikTok, trying it out. <laughs> um, and the handle on all those is fertility functionally. Um, so you can find me on any of those. I'm most active on my Instagram page. Cool. And you already know, if you're a regular listener, assuming that you've actually listened to a full 50 minutes of me and you've been able to make it through that. You might know our signature question for the end of the podcast. From a more general health perspective, Cordy, if you could wave a magic wand and you could get every single person in this world to do one thing just for their health, whether that's literally start doing one thing or you can get us all to stop doing one thing, what is the one thing that you'd get us all to do? I know you asked this question and actually I crossed out my answer a few times, but I kept coming back to this one. Um, And it's to focus on building your meals and snacks around quality protein. Um, So we need about a gram of protein per pound of body weight daily, ideally. Uh, So if you build your meals around protein and fill your plate with organic produce and a little bit of starch, you're going to be better than 99% of people that are on a health journey. Most people make the diet side of things really, really complicated. And that's my simple piece of piece of health, health advice that I think anyone can benefit from. Very cool. Thank you so much. Um, If you're watching live, then you would have just noticed the comment below. Thank you so much, Tracy. We have Courtney's website right there. If you're listening on the audio version afterwards, no problem. It's already in the show notes and you've probably seen it. If you are listening to audio too and you're wondering, how the heck do I see these live podcasts because they seem to come out before the audio? That is true. We'll always repost them there, but this is the chance to come on live and then you can always ask questions if you guys would like. So we'll probably be doing a more consistent schedule as time goes on so that people can... uh, really truly tune into these and then engage with our guests if they'd like to. So just make sure to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn will be one that we are popping into sooner rather than later. All those links are in the show notes as well. Courtney, full circle, absolutely awesome to have you like listening for this long, going through FDN and then coming on and actually sharing this and very, very useful information um, for 
it's not really a condition per se, but something that is so important in the health space. There's really no uh, shortage of episodes for this. Like we have to do as many as possible. Thanks, Evan. It was great to be here.